Welcome to Matan's Parsha podcast, Sefer Dvarim. Each week, a different Matan teacher will share words of Torah to illuminate the Parsha and your week. Today's Shiur and Parshat Shoftim will be given by Rabbanit Sorla Rosen. Rabbanit Rosen is a graduate of Hilchata, Matan's Advanced Halachic Institute, and is a certified Meshivat Halacha. She is a director of Shaila, Matan's online responsa program. In addition, she is a certified Toanet Rabbanit and a graduate of Matan's Advanced Talmud Institute. Shalom, this is Sorola Rosen with Matan's Dvarim podcast on Parashat Shoftim. And today we're going to deal with the very last parashia in the parasha, which deals with Egla Rufa. And what I would like to home in on is the mitzvah of accompanying one's guest, whether we're talking about the Tanakh time or Chazal time or our day and age, and see how Chazal deemed this to be a mitzvah which is not only a personal mitzvah on the individual giving hospitality to others, but also a mitzvah which belongs to the Beistin. And the Beistin is allowed to make somebody, kofin al-halevaya, make somebody accompany guests, depends whether we're talking about individual guests of a particular family or people who are actually walking out of a city or a town that they should be getting proper accompanying for some time or some distance of the way they're heading in order to take care of their safety. So the mitzvah of levaya, of accompaniment, is linked to mitzvah tegla rufa. But before we discuss mitzvah egla arufa, we're going to talk about um, the context in which this mitzvah is brought in the parasha, parashat mishpatim. But if we go to Sefer Shmot to begin with, with Shmot we have the first set of mitzvot that Am Yisrael is given, and I'm not talking about the set of mitzvot mentioned in the Midrash, that they were given Shabbat, Chukoteha Bemara, that the Chukim, the mitzvot of Shabbat, were given in Mara, but I'm talking about what we actually have in the Chumash, in the Pshat of the Chumash. We have Parashat Mishpatim in Sefer Shmot, where we have a bunch of mitzvot that basically deal with one's own property, one's private property. And obviously the question of how to, how to treat an Eved Ivri and how to treat a widow and an orphan. And all these mitzvot are basically the first group of mitzvot that we know Am Yisrael are given. In Parashat Mishpatim. And the question is, why did the Torah choose to give Am Yisrael, or why did the Kodesh Baruch Hu choose to give Am Yisrael a set of mitzvot which have basically relate to Nezikin, paying somebody for a damage you caused or your property caused, i.e. your car or your tree or animals that belong to you. Why did the Torah home in on those mitzvot? Obviously, talking about how to treat Eved Ivri relates 
to Am Israel being slaves themselves. And if we still have slave ownership in the Torah, then it should be treated totally differently, obviously, to how they were treated in Mitzrayim. So that's a connection that is clearer. But as to private property and private ownership and taking responsibility over one's private property, it's interesting to note that after 210 years or 400 years, however we want to count it by the Midrash or Pshat of the Torah, obviously, um, Am Israel, for the first time in their life, own their own property. Being slaves meant that nothing really belongs to you, i.e. you can't take responsibility over your property. Not only that, Am Israel couldn't even take responsibility over their own lives, over the lives of their own children because of the terrible decrees that they got from Pharaoh. So the first set of mitzvot has to do with private ownership because once you are freed from slavery and you are given property and you own things, then the first thing one should take care of is making sure that you don't damage anybody else's property and that you take great care to make sure your property stays intact and others as well. So what's the connection between Parashat Mishpatim and Parashat Shoftim? So if we begin with the individual responsibility over one's property and the individual responsibility over the mitzvah of tzedakah, of making sure you give to orphans, you give to, to widows, then Parashat Shoftim speaks about, discusses the responsibility of the judges, right? We have to have a system that makes sure that everything that is mentioned in Parashat Mishpatim, private property, damages, tzedakah, is actually taken care of, is actually happening in real life. And when it doesn't, then somebody takes responsibility over setting things right. And at the very end of this parasha, we have the parasha of Eglarufa, i.e., after we set up the system, the 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 system of of judges of dayanim, we know that there are cases in life that cannot be solved the normal way. If you find somebody thrown in the field, right, and you don't know, you have no clue as to how that person died how he was murdered, the assumption is that he or she were murdered and there is no clue as to how to find things out about the details of the murder. How do we deal with cases which are basically what we would call liminal space? You can't really, or or liminal um, place, right? We cannot really place the, the murderer, or the person who got murdered. Where is he from? Where did the murderer come from? Why were they murdered? And since we we don't have the usual components of how we would go about judgment, i.e. we don't have a set of proofs, and we don't have witnesses to what had happened, and we have this one-off case at the end of the parasha, 
where we basically involve the based in, but this is not the normal way to judge a case of murder. So I would like to explore Parashat Egla Rufa in terms of one's personal responsibility, how Chazal understand the personal responsibility of Hachnasat Orchim and in Hachnasat Orchim, the mitzvah of accompanying your guest is included to the more general aspect of the responsibility of the Basin over the lives of people of that particular town and over the lives of people of that particular country, i.e. Eretz Israel, and the whole question of how do we enforce the mitzvah of accompanying guests or people, individuals that leave our town into, you know, the more dangerous areas, the open areas outside the walled towns. So in Parashat Egla Rufa, the Mishnah in Sota writes that Nifteru Zikne Yerushalayim ve'alchu lahin. When a person is found dead in the field, We have to call representatives from the highest court in Yerushalayim, i.e. the Sanhedrin. So there's a machloket in the Mishnah whether we have three or five people coming from the Sanhedrin and they're coming to measure the distance between each town that is, that is the closest towns to the corpse that was found and measuring what's the nearest distance. And the nearest town to the, to the dead person that was found is held liable for the murder. Do we mean the entirety of the town is held liable? No. We mean the actual members of the Beit Din of that particular town have to take responsibility over this murder. And we're soon going to see Rashi following the Gemara and the Midrash that ask, how can we even think about the elders of the Beistin as being held responsible for a murder? But first we have Zikne Yerushalayim, meaning the elders of the Sanhedrin who come to measure. And besides measuring, they also have to take care that this body is buried properly, and then they leave. And the rest of Parashat Agla Rufa is given to be dealt with by the um, basin of the actual town. Ziknei otahair mevi'in eglat bakar, the elders of that particular town, of that particular city, they bring a calf, asher lo ubadba, a female calf that was never worked with in the field, asher lo mashcha ba'ol, never carried anything. The difference between this calf and para aduma, where we see similarities, is that with para aduma, you're not allowed to have any blemish, any mum. While with a glarufa, a, a blemish in the, in the female calf does doesn't stop it being fit for the actual mitzvah of Egla Rufa. And you bring the Egla to Nachal Eitan, and there's a machloket in the Gemara, what does Nachal Eitan mean? Does it mean a uh, flowing river, meaning um, 
Nachal Eitan, a river that flows throughout the year, not only during winter time, but throughout the year. Or rather, is it a place that there should be water running there? It's the the valley, because usually, obviously, uh, rivers are in the valley. It's the valley. And the valley itself is a place where people would usually um, work the land because... Um, where you have when you do have rain and you do have the water in the nachal in the valley then you get very uh, good soil to work with uh, agriculture and you take it to that particular place and the mishnah explains that if a glarufa was um the ritual of Agla Arufa was placed in that particular land, then it is forbidden to work this land. And we should ask ourselves, why is it forbidden to work the land where the Agla Arufa, where the ritual of Agla Arufa took place? And this would lead us to the different Ta'amim, the different reasons the um, Poskim and the Parshane Amikra saw to the mitzvah of Egla Arufa. We shall start with Rav Saadia Gaon, who recognizes in the mitzvah of Egla Arufa a form of punishment. Omer Ani, כי כמו שראוי לייסר את האדם על עשותו מה שאין ראוי לו לעשות, just as Bastin is responsible to punish people over loving of transgressions in the Torah, כך ראוי לייסרו על שהזניח מלעשות מה שצריך לעשות. Similarly, it is fit to punish people, to punish society for not doing what they were supposed to do. Therefore, if they would have taken care to set up uh, guards to the city who will accompany people, who will make sure that there are no murderers coming in and out, if they would have taken care of that, of, of properly guarding the city and properly guarding the outside of the city, then something like that shouldn't have happened. And since it did, they are fit to be punished. Rambam in Morenevuchim takes a more uh, rationalist way of looking at it and he, and he says the following. Since we know that what we're looking for is to basically investigate this case of murder and get to the root of who murdered this specific um, person, the Rambam says by people hearing that the Eglarufa, the ritual of Eglarufa took place, it's going to cause a lot of talking, not only amongst this town, but in other nearby towns and by people discussing things and talking about it and getting it into the media, there's a higher chance that we will discover who actually murdered this particular person. So the Rambam doesn't see it as any form of, of punishment. Chazal in Masechet Sota Memchet says the following, the famous question that we raised earlier about Ziknei Beidin, Yadeinu lo shafchu et adam, when the elders of the Beit Din, members of the Beit Din of that particular town, do the Egla Arufa, they basically wash their hands in the river, the flowing river that has the blood 
of um, of the agla arufa running with the water. So they have to wash their hands with the water and the blood and to say that our hands did not spill that blood. And Chazal say, Do we really think that the elders of the basin are murderers? Then what... What place have they in the basin, obviously? What do we mean by the elders saying that their hands did not spill the murdered person's blood? He did not come into our town, into our city, and we did not make sure that he leaves our city with enough food. And we didn't see him depart our city gates and we left him without proper accompaniment meaning it is the responsibility not only of the individual family hosting this particular guest but the entire community to make sure that guests who come into the city strangers who come into the city walls are supposed to leave it well equipped and well accompanied, accompanied, meaning the safety of what goes on outside the city is also the, the responsibility of the actual city members of the actual basin of that particular city. And Rabbi Yosef Bechor Shor, who is a Rishon, an Ashkenazi Rishon, takes a totally different and very interesting take on Parashat Egla Rufa. Rabbi Yosef Bechor Shor looks at it from the family perspective, even more so, particularly in the marital perspective. And he says, well, we know that if a man was found murdered, that would mean that his wife will stay in Naguna, right? Rabbi Yosef Bechor Shor Amar, Shekol Zetziva Kadosh Baruch Hu, this entire parashia of Egla Arufa was commanded by HaKadosh Baruch Hu כדי שיצא כל לנרצח because we want people to discuss this horrifying case of finding a body in the middle of a field ומתוך כך יבואו עדים ויעידו שהוא מת and since this is a case that is discussed throughout the towns nearby and sometimes throughout Eretz Israel of people visiting this town and then walking off to other parts of Eretz Israel and they are carrying the story with them and then people who have been witnesses in the actual ritual of Egla Rufa, will be witnesses fit to tell the Almana that they did this to her husband because of her husband's death, and therefore, we, and therefore we're going to make sure that we don't have Almanot in Eretz Israel, even with unsolved murder cases. She should at least know that her husband was found dead. We are not going to follow Rabbi Yosef Bechor Shor particular interpretation of Egla Rufa, but, but I thought it fit to bring it as a very interesting take on how do we make sure that there are no agunot, Khalila, in Eretz Israel. Okay, going back to the reasons for Din Egla Rufa, I would like to go back even, even further to Sefer Bereshit. We are now talking about the closing off, right, the 
um, packing up of our five books of Torah. And this is Sefer Dvarim. And it is only natural to look back at Sefer Bereshit and think about the connections between Sefer Dvarim and Sefer Bereshit. And about the mitzvah of accompanying a guest, of making sure that somebody leaves your house and he or she are safe and sound, they're not going anywhere that is dangerous without um, properly being equipped, without um, somebody taking care of their safety. And if we look back at Sefer Bereshit, we see the well-known perush on why did Yosef, send his father the agalot, right? The eglot. Some understand it to be carriages and some understand it to be eglot as in calves, as in egla arufa. So we find in Bereshit Rabbah that when the sons come to tell their father that Yosef is indeed still alive, od Yosef chai, he is yet alive, his heart stopped beating, or his heart weakened the, this, the uh, pace of the beating because he couldn't believe them. What made Yaakov revive himself? Nizkar Yaakov be'eze perek parash Yosef. He remembered what were the circumstances that he let o- left off Yosef. Amar Yaakov belibo. And Yaakov is not talking to the sons. Yaakov is talking to his heart. He's trying to revive his heart. Yodea ani she'beperek egla arufa piresh mimeni Yosef. Yaakov is saying, I know what were the circumstances that Yosef departed from me. These were circumstances that call for the ritual of a glarufa, of finding somebody slain in the field and having nobody responsible for the murder. Amar lahem, and then he gives his sons a, a test And he wants to know whether the brothers will take responsibility over what happened to Yosef, because how come they brought him the kutonet, right? The bloody undershirt with a special, uh, beautiful coat that he, that he prepared for Yosef with all the beautiful colors. And he tells the brothers, if you tell me now the truth about what were the circumstances that I parted with Yosef, I believe you. Af Yosef nizkar be'eze perek parash mimenu. We don't know whether the brothers told their father the truth. The Medrash skips that and he moves on to Yosef and mentions that Yosef obviously remembered what were the circumstances that led to the parting of him and his father. Masa Yosef, what did he do to make to make his father believe that he was still alive, Natan lahem eglot, he gave them calves, sheneemar, vaiten lahem, he gave the brothers specifically, not the messengers, right? He gave the brothers specifically eglot. He gave, he gave them calves, meaning he wants to hint to his father something. But the Medrash doesn't go on to explain whether Yosef meant it as some kind of painful criticism 
over the way his father handled the situation, or whether this is a reminder for Yaakov Avinu, Adraba, that he is not to be responsible for what happened. Where we find the actual explanation is in the Zohar. And we have two opinions in the Zohar as to what was the purpose of Yosef sending his father calves as in the meaning of the ritual of Egla Rufa. Rabbi Elazar understands it to be a criticism, a painful criticism of Yosef for his father. Remez Ramaz Yosef Leyaakov Alegla Arufa, he sent the calves as a hint, Sharei Beoto Perek Nifrad Mimeno. Because this was the circumstance, this was the point in time where they departed. And what is the meaning of Egla Arufa? Shehi Ba'a, we do the ritual of Egla Arufa, Al Shenimtsa Harug Velonodami Haragoto where we find somebody slain, but we don't know who is the murderer, who is to take responsibility over what had happened. Bore'e, come see, כשנפרד יוסף מאביו, בלי לוויה, ובלי אכילה נשלח. When Yosef parted with his father, he wasn't sent with proper accompaniment, he wasn't sent with proper equipment, with proper food. And we know what had happened. What had happened did occur. And when Yaakov exclaimed upon seeing the beautiful coat with blood, Taraf Toraf Yosef, It is my responsibility. It is because of me, because I neglected the mitzvah of Levaya, of accompanying my son, that this has happened. Ve'od, and not only that, she'hayti yodea she'echav son'im oto v'shalachti oto. I knew that his brothers hated him, and nonetheless I sent him. So I sent him without proper accompaniment, without proper equipment, and I sent him on a dangerous mission. I know I am responsible, and according to Rabbi Elazar, this is what Yosef is saying to his father. Amar lo Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda answers Rabbi Elazar, and he says no. את אותם העגלות שלח אותם על פי פרעה. No, no, this was Pharaoh's request. Pharaoh wanted to send special carriages to carry the father of the viceroy of, of uh, Mitzrayim. This is a special honor for, for Yosef's father. משמה, but it says, it also says, ואתה צוביתה זאת עשו. But we also know in the Pasuk that Pharaoh is, is, is actually carrying out the orders of Yosef, or not the orders, but um, what he had asked for. ומשום כך כתוב בהי, משמע שיוסף ביקש אותם. Yosef asked Pharaoh to send something in particular to his father, to hint. על פי פרעה ויעקב לא עמד בדבר עד שראה אותם. And Rabbi Yehuda in the Zohar un- understands that Yaakov Avinu's heart stopped beating properly until he saw the Agalot. שכתוב וייר את העגלות אשר שלח יוסף לשאת אותו ותחי רוח יעקב אביהם. And when he saw the Agalot and when he saw the calves that Yosef sent him, he revived. 
That means positively. That means Yosef is not blaming his father. On the contrary, he is saying to his father, it is true that what happened back then is what brings about the ritual of Egla Rufa. But this is not because we find somebody responsible for what had happened. On the contrary, you, Father, are not, is not responsible for what had happened. The reason why you sent me without proper accompaniment, without proper food, without understanding that this is a dangerous mission, because you couldn't even imagine that this would have been, would have been dangerous for me. And therefore, my father, you are not to be held responsible for what had happened. And this is why Yaakov's Avinu spirit is revived and his heart continues t- uh, its normal pace of beating. To, to sum up, the mitzvah of Eglarufa at the, at the end of Parashat Shoftim, what we see is that the personal mitzvah of Hachnasat Orchim is not only a personal mitzvah upon an individual, upon families, even upon communities. This is a mitzvah that is given to the based in, not only the communal based in of a specific town, but the highest court in Yerushalayim, the Sanhedrin, they hold the responsibility of the safety of people who live in Eretz Israel, who live in towns and are walking around outside the town. And it is their responsibility to make sure that each particular town is um, putting up a system of, of guards who are not only guarding the inside of the town, but also the outer skirts of the town to make sure that people are safe, that there are no murderers walking around. And if there's a rare case where we do have an unsolved murder, then this is a responsibility not only for the individual people who hosted the person who was murdered, but also of the Shoftim, of the Dayanim of that particular town and the Dayanim of the entirety of Eretz Israel. Thank you and Shabbat Shalom. Thanks for listening. You can stream and download all Matan podcast episodes on Spotify, iTunes, and Matan's website. Feel free to share feedback with us as you listen. You can write us at podcast at matan.org.il. That's podcast at matan.org.il. Lastly, please do Matan Podcast and Women's Torah Learning a small favor by sharing this podcast with family and friends so that we can reach new audiences. Shabbat Shalom.